Hey everyone, and welcome to the Renew Your Mind podcast. Today, we're going to be diving into social media, something that is very commonly used as a marketing tool for entrepreneurs, but that I see become a huge stumbling block to many people, especially early on, but even more established entrepreneurs. It can actually become a hindrance to your success and to you growing into the person, the entrepreneur, the follower of Jesus that God created you to be. So really excited to dive into that today. If you're new here, I'm your host, Kieran Lenahan. I help faith-driven entrepreneurs grow their businesses, spend more time with their families, and be more like Jesus. And I support entrepreneurs in doing those things in three different ways. The first is right here on the podcast. The next is through one-on-one coaching for established entrepreneurs who want to scale their businesses without scaling how many hours they work. And so growing with a sense of ease and maintaining family as a priority throughout that transition and throughout that process of scaling. And then lastly, I run a six-month mastermind specifically for new entrepreneurs who want to reach the milestone of being able to support their family and pay their bills through their business as quickly as possible. And as of the recording of this episode, the application window for the current cohort is now closed. Although if somebody tried hard enough to convince me to let them join before we kick things off on August 24th. Who knows? That's all I'll say about that. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, as Michael Scott would say. I wanted to share a couple of quick things before diving into today's content. The last couple of weeks have been a whirlwind uh, for myself, but also for Dana. We've finally been in the process of moving into our new house, simultaneously planning and hosting a housewarming slash adoption party for Christopher at that new house. And we had chosen that date long before we knew that we were still going to be in the process of moving in. And so that was a little bit of a time crunch. And then that all happened to overlap pretty much exactly with the launch of the mastermind, which in hindsight, and what I would recommend to you all is don't plan the launch of a new product during a time like that. Um, It wasn't something that I really could have foreseen. And so there's grace for myself, but Just know that I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, It just took a lot of energy. And so I will do a full episode on just breaking down the preparation for and the launch of the mastermind and go through just kind of what were my goals? What were the results? What did I hit? What did I not hit? And what would I recommend for you all as you look to launch new products, new services, and new offerings? The last kind of update that'll segue us into our content for today is uh, Callie was sick this past weekend, so she wasn't feeling well. She ended up staying home with Dana while Christopher and I went to church, just the two of us. And wouldn't you know it, after service, I'm catching up with a friend who just got back from a work trip to Italy, and 10 seconds into the conversation, the fire alarm starts going off. And so I immediately turn my head and I find Christopher so that I can get him safely out of the building and make sure he doesn't get lost in the crowd. And I see him and I notice that he's about three feet away from a fire alarm and he starts walking towards me. And that's the moment that I realized what had just happened. Uh, Never a dull moment. I did confirm with some people who saw it happen that Christopher did, in fact, pull the fire alarm. And I don't know about any of you dads out there who are listening, but for me, you know, this is something where it happens. He's two and a half. He saw something red and he is exploring, loves to push buttons and to flip switches and things like that. It's not a huge deal that this happened. 
but it is kind of a bummer that it happened when it was just me and Christopher. Like it would have been way better if we just were all there and kind of had shared responsibility for that. But nonetheless, I hope that this is the last time that I tell this story on this podcast because happening once, understandable. If it happens again, two points make a line. This isn't really something that we want to be known for in our church community or in the town or the local fire department. Anyway, making a sharp right turn into our focus for today, at church this past weekend, we had a guest pastor come and preach. He used to be part of our church community a while back before we had even been there. And there was one thing that he said in his sermon that I I absolutely loved, and I just kind of had that sense, this will be a podcast episode one day, but why wait? Let's do it today. And it's funny because Dana was watching church online with Callie and her mom, and when she heard the pastor say this, she immediately said to her mom, Kieran is probably so excited right now and loving that this pastor just said what he said. And so here's just some context. We're in a series on Revelation right now, specifically the, the letters to the seven churches. And so he was preaching on the seventh letter to the church in Laodicea, where Jesus is giving a warning to the church there. And here's what he says in Revelation 3, verse 17. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And quick context, Laodicea was a city that was known for its wealth, its advanced medical practices, in particular ophthalmology, and their clothing. And so when Jesus says you are poor, blind, and naked, he is speaking very specifically into this city. And so Jesus is saying and calling them out in love, he's saying your primary identity is being found in these things that the surrounding culture is finding their identity in. And that is not the way that I called you to live. And so Jesus is saying that they're being formed and shaped more by the culture around them than they are by Jesus. And if you remember back in episode 29, I talked about spiritual formation and the concept that as human beings, it is in our nature to be formed. We are not static beings. We're dynamic and we're constantly being formed and shaped by the inputs and environments in our lives. And if you remember that episode, I used the example of moving to New York City and starting to talk and walk faster subconsciously because we're formed without even realizing that it's happening. And so the question isn't, are you being formed? It's who or what are you being formed by? Which brings me to the name of this episode and the question that our guest preacher mentioned that Dana knew that I would love. And here's the question. Whose hands are in the clay? Whose hands are in the clay? If you think about pottery, even if you've never done it, you've probably at least seen a video of it or you understand the way that it works. And there's a wheel that has the clay on it that spins. And whoever is making the object uses their hands to mold and to form and to shape the clay. Today, I want to talk specifically about this through the lens of social media, because this is one of the primary things that forms us in our current generation. 
to the extent where even if you're not on social media, it is still forming and shaping different aspects of your life, the people that you're interacting with, the language that people use. And so it accelerates, social media accelerates the process of being formed in micro moments like nothing else does. Because people are on their phones, they're on their social media profiles at night, in the morning, in the tiniest little crevices of their day. They're constantly being formed by this thing where there used to be just boredom and emptiness before iPhones existed. And so literally thousands of times a day, these types of interactions with our devices are happening, social media being one of the main places where this happens. And so even if you're not on social media, this is still relevant for you because we're always being formed by the people around us, the inputs we allow, the environment around us. And so you can apply everything we're talking about with social media to whatever your context looks like, whether it's Netflix, the use of your computer, the city that you live in, the town that you live in, the people you interact with, all of that is forming you. But again, for today, I'm going to use examples specifically from social media because I've seen it so commonly become a a hindrance and a stumbling block for entrepreneurs. So here's our plan for today. First, we're going to start off with the question, whose hands should be in the clay? And what's the fruit that we should expect from that? And in this section, I also want to introduce this idea that I'm calling the mirror principle. After that, we're going to briefly just look at whose hands are in the clay right now and what's the fruit that we might see from the people who might be having their hands in your clay right now. And then lastly, we'll wrap up with how do you use the mirror principle to your advantage and how do you use social media as a tool rather than a stumbling block? And whenever I hear social media as a tool, I think about my mind immediately goes to how to use it as a marketing tool, but we're actually not even talking about marketing today. We're talking about the way that you actually consume content. How do you use content consumption on social media as a tool rather than a stumbling block? And as we jump in, I want to start with a verse from Isaiah chapter 64, and this is verse eight. Here's what it says. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. And so in this metaphor, just for today, you are the clay, you are the object being formed. And as I thought about it, what we see in Jesus as the human who perfectly submitted to the father's formation, to the father's hands, he modeled what it was like to truly be formed by God's hands. And what I love most is that Jesus wasn't formed like in a vacuum outside of this world by God. He was formed in a particular cultural context in a specific time in history. And so in that sense, Jesus was formed by the culture and the traditions around him that he was born into, right? The good things. He had meals with friends. He attended weddings. He went to synagogue. He went to the market. He had a job. And so as we have this conversation, as we think through this, The goal isn't for you to just go get isolated forever and just spend time with God and let him be the only thing, the only person that forms you, right? That's not even what we see in the life of Jesus. So with that in mind, let's dive in. Whose hands should be in our clay? First and foremost, and this is fairly obvious, God. 
giving God the first opportunity of every single day to form us, to direct our attention and our focus for the day, and the person from whom we receive our identity and who we actually are, first and foremost is God. And so this can look like spending time alone with him, reading his word, journaling, praying, listening for his voice, asking him to examine your heart and point out the things that he wants to prune, the things that he wants to change. God is whose hands, God's is whose hands, we primarily want in our clay. Next, I would say other followers of Jesus. If you think about the way that the early church spread, it was because the 12 apostles were so deeply formed by their time with Jesus that they then spent time with others who were so deeply formed by them and so on and so forth all the way up until you get to us, right? In a number of Paul's letters, he writes to fellow believers pointing to himself and he says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Paul wanted them to be formed by people who were formed by Jesus. And so think about how you even came to faith. I bet many of you became followers of Jesus because of direct relationships with other followers of Jesus. And isn't that incredible? If you trace everybody's faith back through the trees and spiritual family lines of the people who influence them, it would lead all the way back to the early church, to the apostles, and to Jesus. Your spiritual lineage goes all the way back to the source, back to Jesus. And so again, we primarily want the hands in our clay to be those of other followers of Jesus. And this is one of the main reasons why I've been so excited to build and to launch the Renew Your Mind Mastermind. It's because you don't just run into other faith-driven entrepreneurs, other people who follow Jesus and who are building a business at the same time. You don't just run into them at the post office or the grocery store. At least that hasn't been my experience. I was literally just talking to a friend earlier today before recording this episode. He was considering joining the mastermind, uh, but the timing didn't work out for him. And he was sharing that the thing that he's so bummed about is that communal aspect, is the fact that he doesn't get to be with other faith-driven entrepreneurs on a regular basis because it can be lonely. You might be the only one in your network. And so having that is incredibly valuable and being able to bring that together is something I'm really excited about doing with the mastermind. And so whose hands should be in the clay? First and foremost, God's hands. Next, other followers of Jesus, people who are being formed by God. And then the last group are what I would call mirrors. These are people who have something to teach us about who we really are. And the nuance here is that these people can be, but they don't have to be followers of Jesus. In my life, God has used multiple people who don't know or love him to help me understand aspects about who I am. And so I want to introduce this idea. I want to introduce what I'm calling the mirror principle. And so I'm going to ask a couple of questions and I want you to actually bring somebody to mind. Have you ever seen somebody or met them and you just, you immediately felt drawn to them and you say something like, that's my kind of person. Like I want to spend time with that person. Maybe you met them in college. Maybe they were a previous coworker of yours, or maybe they're just a famous person or someone you follow on social media, which we'll talk about more later that you don't even know personally. 
but there's just, there's something about them that makes you want to hang out with them. And not just hang out with them, you actually want to be influenced by them. If I can use that language in the truest sense of the phrase, you actually want them to influence the way that you live your life. Like These are people that you want to be like. Bring somebody to mind. I'm sure there's somebody, maybe there's even a couple who have already come to mind. What's happening there is that something in them is igniting something in you. And I talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast episode as one of the reasons why community is so beneficial in your entrepreneurial journey. But today, again, we're digging into what does this mean in a social media context? And so what is happening there, right? I said something in them ignites something in you. This is what I call the mirror principle. It's this idea that when you find these kinds of people in real life or social media or they're a professional athlete or celebrity, it's like they're holding up a mirror and they're showing you something that exists inside of yourself. They're showing you part of who you are at your core. Now, this is different, very different than idolizing someone or placing them above God. This is about seeing something in them that stirs something in your spirit. And what this is, is a cue, it's a sign, it's an indicator that's pointing to a greatness, a a quality, a character trait that you see in them that you have inside of you. And so you may have had somebody that came to mind, somebody who's just an incredible inspiration to you, even if they're not a follower of Jesus. For me personally, and I don't actually know where his faith is, if he has it, and I'm not going to try to make a judgment on that. But regardless of where it is, one of the one of these mirrors for me, one of these people that I'm describing is Jesse Itzler. And if you're not familiar with him, I highly recommend following him on social media if you're on social media. He's an entrepreneur. He's founded a, a number of businesses. He's written a couple of books. One of them is called Living with Monks, What Turning Off My Phone Taught Me About Happiness, Gratitude, and Focus. He wrote another book called Living with a Seal, where it documents his journey of hiring a Navy SEAL, actually specifically David Goggins, if you're familiar with him, to live with him for 30 days and to make him do insanely hard things. Uh, He's part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. He's married to Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx, and he's a dad. Now, he's not a mirror for me because I want to own an NBA team, though I think actually think that might be fun. Uh, And I also don't want to sell a private jet company to Warren Buffett, which is something that he also did. His accomplishments aren't what make him a mirror for me. What does make him a mirror for me is that he goes all in. He is great at whatever he does because he commits to the mastery of whatever craft he's pursuing, whether it's business, speaking, running, biking, everything that he does, he pursues it with excellence. What else makes him a mirror? He does insane things. He completed an ultra Ironman, which is a 6.2 mile swim, 270 mile bike, and a 52.4 mile run, that's two marathons, over three days. He turns three-day vacations into just tests of mental and physical boundaries. He's built a vibrant community around himself and has brought together people who really care about people. He and his wife, for example, they host an annual endurance event at their house 
that raises money for hundreds of charities. Generosity is something that is a marker of his life and of his entrepreneurial journey. He's incredibly authentic. He wears t-shirts and running shorts to business meetings where, you know, they're talking about multi-million dollar deals. He is incredibly secure in who he is, and he doesn't care that much about surface level appearances. And then lastly, he's an incredibly present father. His family is a top priority for him. He believes in being there for his kids. He never misses a game, never misses an event, never misses a recital. And he teaches his kids, how do you fail and how do you get back up? And so whether or not he's a follower of Jesus, there is a lot that I see in him that I know deep down is in me too. And in that way, he holds up a mirror for me. And I'm confident that God actually uses him and my just following him on social media to teach me more about who I am. That's only because I've started to use, and we're going to talk about this later, I've started to use social media as a tool for my formation in this way. And so it doesn't matter that he isn't or if he isn't a follower of Jesus. There are still themes, there are still principles operating in Jesse's life that are biblical and that are things that I can learn from, that I can apply through a gospel-focused lens. And so those are the three groups of people that I think we want their hands in our clay. God, other followers of Jesus, and mirrors or mirror people. Before moving on, let's just briefly ask the question, what's the fruit that we would expect if it were true about us that God, other followers of Jesus, and mirrors were the primary things that were forming us? Those are the primary people or influences that have their hands in the clay. I think we'd become people of more peace, love, and joy. I think our desire to glorify God for his sake would be greater. I think we'd be inspired. We wouldn't be settling. We wouldn't be tolerating uh, subpar. We'd be doing things with excellence. And I think we would have this kind of burning desire to glorify God by actually becoming the people that he made us to be. Like a sense of curiosity and a sense of desire to be fully sanctified, to be fully transformed into the people he made us to be. Now let's ask the question, whose hands are in the clay right now? And what's the fruit on this? And I want to be brief on this so that we can get into, all right, how do we use social media as a tool that helps us? So whose hands are in the clay right now? The short answer is, is whoever you follow, whoever you allow into your sphere of attention and your sphere of influence, friends from college, your distant uncle, news outlets, meme accounts, Instagram influencers, the podcasts you listen to, the books that you read, the shows that you watch on Netflix, every piece of media, every piece of input currently has a hand in your clay. And so it's worth asking the question, would you choose on purpose to have those hands in your clay? Because often the fruit of just an unintentional kind of allowing so many different things that maybe don't fit into those first three categories that we talked about of God, other followers of Jesus, and mirrors, when we let other things into our influence, we allow those hands into our clay 
The fruit can be comparison, anxiety, defeat, discouragement, disappointment, and envy, right? Those are a lot of the things, those are a lot of the ways that people experience social media. And so now let's let's wrap up with this question. If we are going to be on social media, which is a question, we don't have to be, but for those of us who choose to be on social media and it's a conscious decision, how do we use it as a tool that helps us instead of a distraction and a stumbling block? I suggest that the way that we do this is to use social media as a mirror instead of a window. Because here's the thing with social media. Most people use it as a window. And it's like they're standing outside of the home of somebody famous and they're looking inside saying, wow, look at that island in their kitchen. That's the size of my garage. Is that marble? And look at that pantry. It's so organized. I wish our pantry looked like that. That's using it as a window, which is much more likely to lead to distraction, despair, and all of that other fruit that I just listed. And it also is likely to lead to consumption that is very passive, observing others without any critical thinking or truly engaging with it. Now think about it. Looking through a window is for the purpose of seeing what's on the other side. Looking in a mirror is more about looking at yourself and engaging and asking the question, what do I want to do or change in light of what I'm seeing? And so if we are seeing other people on social media and we're looking through their window and it's leading to us being envious of them, if it's leading to us being discouraged and feeling inadequate, that's a sign that we are not using social media as a mirror. We're actually using it as a window and it is slowing us down rather than empowering us to move forward and to become the people God created us to be. And so as an entrepreneur, really need to sit with yourself and ask the question, is your consumption, the consumption side of the equation on social media, not the creation, is the consumption a net negative or a net positive? And so now let's practically, let's talk about some ways to use the mirror principle to your advantage. What does it actually look like? How can you go about using social media as a mirror instead of a window? And honestly, what I'm about to talk through is incredibly simple and straightforward. I want to highlight the importance of this so that you actually do it and so that you actually apply this because even though it's simple and straightforward and it may not actually take that much time and some of it not even that much effort, the payoff, because social media is something that you engage with often or daily or multiple times a day, the impact of this on your formation over time is massive. And so I hope that you hear this. I hope that you apply it. I hope that you even come up with new ways to apply this and take it beyond what I share here. But at the very least, I hope that you apply this. The first thing that I would say in terms of how we can use social media as a mirror and not a window is to curate who you follow and to do this very intentionally. This is something that I do about every six months, and this is incredibly powerful. Because with social media, there's a lot that you can't control, but you actually have complete control over who you choose to follow and whose hands you allow to be in your clay. And so if you want to go extreme, if you want to go all out with this and get the absolute most of it, take a zero-based approach, which would literally mean 
go through your account, unfollow everybody. Like that number on your bio that says followers, get that all the way down to zero and then start from scratch and force yourself to come up with the most important people that you actually want to follow. Now, one way that you can actually do this, that's kind of a a cheat code for doing it a little bit more quickly or with a little bit less effort is to use, in particular on Instagram, there's a feature called favorites. And you can now actually choose what your Instagram feed will show you. And you can only have it show the people that you have designated as favorites. And so that would be one way to do it. I actually think there's a limitation to that now that I say it. Because I think when you open the Instagram app, it will always default to just a chronological timeline or their their algorithm timeline. And you have to, every time you go in, you have to go specifically to look at your favorites. So keep that in mind. I would recommend a zero-based approach. I would recommend just taking it down to the studs, going all the way down to zero, and then working your way up. From there, that is just the best and cleanest way to curate who you follow and to be really intentional about what makes it into your feed. The thing that I would pair along with this is to actually just decide what is the criteria for who and what makes it onto your feed. Do you want to see people who are only in your industry? Or do you want to see people who are only outside of your industry to expand your thinking? Do you only want to see people who inspire you and make you want to do amazing things and operate with a level of excellence? Do you only want to follow people in your industry, but who have a different business model to help you, again, think differently and think outside of the box? Get really specific and intentional about who you want to allow to be on your feed. The second thing that I would recommend, and this is the most important, this is the foundational thing that we're talking about here, is to change the way that you use and think about and relate to social media. Change your paradigm. Go from consuming for entertainment to consuming because this is going to feed and nourish me and help me become the person that God created me to be. Go into it with the intentional mindset of this is a mirror. This is actually something God wants to speak to me through what I see. And so you want to ask yourself, what do I see in other people that I want to turn the volume up on in me? You can literally ask yourself that question every single time you open an app. And then the third thing that I would mention in step with that is to keep a notebook. Document what you're seeing somewhere. Write down specifically, what do you see in other people that you want to live more into? Talk about it. Talk about it with your spouse, with your friends. Turn this into a conversation. Changing this paradigm, changing the relationship with social media isn't just about trying one time. This is going to be an intentional choice. You're going to be rewiring the way that you even think about it. And so change the purpose from a distraction engine of consumption and mindless entertainment to a tool that you allow to refine and to sharpen you. So curate who you follow, change your paradigm, change your relationship and the way you think about social media and document what you see somewhere. Talk about it, engage in conversations with what you're seeing, with what you wanna turn the volume up on in yourself. Let's wrap up. If you are a human being, you are clay in God's eyes. And I don't know about you, but if I'm being formed, I want God to be the one forming me primarily because his agenda is to make me beautiful. 
to make me fully human, to turn me into who I was always meant to be. And one of my favorite things is that while God is helping me become more like Jesus every day, he doesn't want me to be Jesus. We all have a self, we have a personhood that is unique. And if something as finite and objective and observable as our fingerprints can all be unique, imagine how much more room there is for uniqueness in the expression of our personalities, of our vocations, and in the unique contexts that we all live in. God's agenda is to make you fully you. And while social media companies' agendas are largely to make money, you have the power to use social media as a tool for your formation in the direction of what God is calling you and in the direction of who he created you to be. It takes intention, but it's worth it. Last thing before we close out here, every week I send my clients and a small group of podcast listeners an email. And in that email, I share tips, resources, prompts, and food for thought on entrepreneurship and faith. This week, for example, I shared one of my favorite resources ever that has helped me learn from some of the best books ever written on business in a fraction of the time that it would take me to read every page of every book. And the best part is that it's free. And so if you want me to include you on those weekly emails, all you have to do is just head to lenahancoaching.com slash subscribe, and I'll make sure that you receive those emails moving forward. Have a great week, and I will talk to you next time on the Renew Your Mind podcast. Mm